the Oakdale Christian Centre podcast. Freedom in Christ, Session 11, Relating to Others. The main reading this week is the love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And as we look today at relating to others, we'll begin to see that there's maybe issues that we've not dealt with. We've got people we, we're not talking to, we can't talk to, we haven't talked to, and that is not their problem. Whose problem is it? Biggest problem is, you know, we get, that's where we get married to blame our wives and husbands. No, no. The biggest problem is the person in the mirror. Um, and as we go through, I, I'll, I'll just drop into, into this. I remember preaching a sermon on um, called Christian Etiquette oh, a few years ago now. And um, it, it was, uh, we'll, uh, I'll do some points on that. Uh, the, the main point was deal with it, drop it, not dwell on it and drag it up, which we are prone to do. Um, and I remember, uh, uh, well, uh, after that sermon, uh, we had a couple of people who didn't come again. Um, well, not, it wasn't long after they didn't come. I thought it was a good sermon. But really just really pinpoint sometimes the things in our lives that we will not deal with. We refuse to. And uh, some have been in the walk a long time. We've been walking a long time. And there's issues we've got to, con- got to confront. And so tonight we're going to talk about um, relating to others. Um, of course, really, it's no good saying I've got a great relationship with the Lord if my relationship with other people is not so good. John is, he doesn't pull any punches. You've got the epistle of John. He says, don't you tell me I love God, yet you can't stand your brother. What does he say? You're a downright liar. He didn't pull any punches, John did. He didn't say, oh, come on now. Come on. No, he says, you're a liar. I'm thinking, oh, John, careful. But he's telling us how it is. See, our relationship to the Lord is reflected in the relationship of those around us. If my relationship with the Lord is, is strong and is flourishing, can I say that my relationships all around will be far, far, far better? Um, when my relationship with the Lord is flagging, then I tell you what, I'm short-tempered. I'm pretty short. Someone says something, and especially in the house, they can have a they can have a they can have a lash in. Why? Because I've not spent time with the Lord. I haven't received of His grace, received of His strength, and I tell you what. Um, I, although I'm again a bit older, I suppose we do get do get a little bit more mellow. But we don't want it just with age, do we? We want it with the character of Christ. So first, first verse, first verse, um, Matthew twenty two thirty seven thirty four. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and the Lord your soul, and the Lord your strength. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like it. Like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You see many of them. On, on these two commandments are all the law and the prophets. Very clear, isn't it? Um, loving the unlovable sometimes, but what is the mark of a great company of believers what did jesus say by this shall all men who you are my disciples that you love one another dave can I, that could be possible in and of ourselves no you're right some of us are quite um friendly i can get on with most people but even me I, there's some people i ain't gonna jump to get on with you know 
Um, some of us don't like people at all, do we? We like to be on our own, and uh, that's even more difficult for some of us. But the Bible says when the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts, isn't it amazing? The un- most unlovable people, we can go the extra mile, and we have to go the extra mile. Um, and uh, sadly, we this is a couple of jokes this guy put in there, and um, sometimes we, we look at people differently and wrongly. And there were two women. The first husband, uh, first one said, my husband is like Moses. That man can wander around the wilderness for 40 years, yet never once ask for directions. But we men don't need directions. We know where we go in. And if we take a wrong turn in, it's just because we want to go a long way around, okay? Don't forget it. Although now you can't go wrong with GPS, can you? This is another one. She said, well, what are you on about? She said, my husband is like the Lord, seldom seen, and whenever he does anything, it's a miracle. Uh, but grace. See, that is where we start. See, when we talked about grace uh, the last few weeks, grace brings generosity, bring, grace brings thankfulness. When we receive the grace of God, God's grace upon our life, undeserved, as we said, unmerited, unearned, God's riches. God, listen to the, the, uh, the acrostic, isn't it? Uh, God's riches at Christ's expense. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you never earned. It's, it's God lavishing you with grace, and we need to continually uh, bask in that, look to the Lord for that. Um, that's why that, that song is still one of the most sung songs, even today. Isn't it amazing? Even if you, uh, I've said it before, even if I know most of you, you wouldn't watch, you wouldn't be that silly to watch any of those silly programs, but um, X Factor and all that kind of thing. Even there, they will sing this song, Amazing Grace. Many people have covered it, not understanding what it is, but the man who wrote it knew full well. Knew, um, Isaac, John Newton, I, his brother. No, he was his brother. Later on, John Newton understood the slave trader, godless man, foul man, had an encounter. And he, that's why you could say Amazing Grace. And when we have Amazing Grace, what does the Bible says? He, We love because he first loved us. See, remember we said on Sunday, knowledge per se is not enough. We only know God's word when we're actually living it out. Then we really know. To know it in our minds but not to live it out is, is um, just knowledge. It's not, not the truth. We give freely. Why? Because the Bible says freely you've given, freely you've received, freely give. Um, we are merciful. Why? Because he's been merciful to us. Amen. We forgive. Why? Because he forgave us. Very clear. So clear. Um, uh, That's what God longs and wants to do. He longs for us to be a reflection of Jesus. Why? Because we're following him, of course. Um, Let's read um, Acts 20. 34-35. You yourselves know that these hands and minds have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, you must help the weak. Remembering the word the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Blessed to give than receive. That's amazing words. And of course, the older we get, the more we know that's so true. Um, Absolutely right. Because it releases something, it releases the heart. God is a God who gives. We talked about that Sunday. Generous God. God gives even when, dear me, we don't deserve, and that's what we should be. Now, what are we responsible for? 
our rights and responsibility. Now, of course, we have a, we have a world that is saying, I have got rights, don't we? Dear me, everyone's got rights. But let me just say, it's flipped in the, in the word of God. In fact, I would go as far to say, now some would argue with this, when you become a Christian, there are few rights, if any at all, because you've given them to all the Lord. You, you, you're in the process of dying to yourself. But responsibilities, we have much responsibility. But of course, that's flipped. So we have a, 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 a problem is we um, look at our own needs instead of those around, and um, we attack character, and that's always a problem. We, we are pretty quick. We start an argument, and instead of dealing with the issue in, in the family, what do we do? We go straight for the character. We say, ah, but you were just selfish. And then something will come back. You never helped me. And of course, relationships can't flourish when we attack character. Unless we deal with the issue. We don't like dealing with issues. We, we, we broaden it out to character. And that's always a problem. And that was always leave us in uh, difficulty. We are, my responsibility is to meet the needs of those around me. Two things are my responsibility. My character, my character, and the needs of those around. Let's read some verses. Uh, Philippians 2. Do you have any encouragement from being in Christ? Any comfort from his love? wonderful verse isn't it it's it's living like jesus looking to others not yourself looking out and meet the needs wouldn't it be a great place of course because it would be heaven on earth but still um and it, that's what it should be in the church isn't it we talked about uh, fellowship it's another name for utopia oh but so often we don't see it why do we not see it because we're not living according to god we don't apply god's word or we apply god's word pretty uh, particularly to others not to ourselves. What do we say? We give, we give ourselves the benefit of the doubt and we hammer those around us. But no, 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 the other way around. We give ourselves no wiggle room, but we give others the benefit of the doubt. Um, we are very, very quick at um, seeing other faults. I'm great at it. I'm, 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 I would probably say I'm an expert in seeing other people's faults. <laughs> but not so quick at seeing my own. And you know what? As I said before, many times we've said, if you see faults in others, what is the Lord doing? He's revealing faults in you, but also he's, re he's revealing um, false responses from you. Because you may not have that fault in that person, but as you respond to that person falsely, wrongly, not according to God's word, God is revealing that. See, the, the, what, what does it say? That's a great put that right there. When we are lukewarm in our relationship with God, we have a tendency to overlook our own sin and see the sins in others. Can I say that again? When we are lukewarm to God, we will magnify the sin of others and minify our sin. But when we are close to the Lord, what happens? We magnify ourselves and everyone else takes a little bit of perspective. Let's see how that is true. 
Uh, Isaiah 6. Wonderful chapter. Wonderful. Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seven things, each one had six wings, with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another, and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of the people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, who, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a light coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. See, an encounter with God, the only person you realize who is a sinner is you. Um, we don't look around then. See, the closer we get to the Lord, the more we realize that is true. Paul said, remember the great Paul, said, Christ came into the world to die for sinners, whom I am the chief. Why? Because he was so close that he re really realized who he was. And uh, the devil, as we looked at, when we looked at unforgiveness, we looked, his desire is to divide and split. And we said, we're not unaware of his devices. The devices was unforgiveness. Looking at others instead of looking at Jesus and myself. Peter, remember Jesus on, on, the, on the boat? He said, let me borrow your boat, Peter. I want to speak. There was a reason for that. If you know anything about acoustics, you, you realize that um, uh, it, it amplifies off the water sound so more people could hear. That's why Jesus did it. He knew physics before we did, of course, because he created everything. And uh, he, he spoke, and he spoke to the crowd, and then he said to Peter, look, I'm no man's dead. Come on, let's go, let's go fishing. And Peter said, wait a minute now. He said, I've been out all night, and I'm tired. And uh, when we're tired, we tend to, yeah, we're always a little bit tetchy then. And in his mind, let me tell you what Peter was thinking in his mind. What do you know about fishing, Jesus? You are a, a builder, stroke carpenter. You know nothing about fishing. I grew up on this. I've got a business. Well, I'm doing well here. Uh, I'm in his mind. Uh, now, usually Peter vocalized these things, didn't he? But not you. He, he did have enough grace. He said, God, okay, you say it. We'll do it. And he goes down and he such a great catch. And he has a call. Uh, uh, the, brothers, um, uh, James, uh, the brothers, James and John, help them. And this is what he said. Go away from me, Lord, for I am married to a sinful woman. Did he say that? I don't think so. Go away from me. I am a sinful man. You see, an encounter with Jesus always magnifies me, not anyone else. And so we know how close we are to the Lord by who we are looking at. And uh, what are we looking at? So, uh, to look at the Lord and to see him high and lifted up. Focus on our rights rather, our responsibilities rather than the rights. There's a Freudian slip there. Uh, do husbands have a right to expect their wives to be submissive? Yes. Uh, who said that? Um, or responsibility to love them? Do parents have a right to expect their children to be obedient? Absolutely. Or responsibility to bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord? You see, what happens? We emphasize rights above responsibilities, and it sows seeds of destruction. I always remember a story, I can't, I think it was from um, Purpose Driven Life, I think, 
uh, <coughs> where a woman um, said to her friend, "Come to church with me." Now her friend was uh, she went she was on local radio and she was uh, such an ardent feminist. She really was. Um, so she took her to church and and he said, "I'm going to preach today on um, wives submit to your husbands." And she could have crawled under the chair. She thought, oh, yeah, 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 this woman is going to be absolutely tamping because she's, you know, woohoo. But you know what? As he began to preach, he focused on husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. And he, 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 he preached on it. And you know what? This woman turned to her friend with tears down her eyes. She said, if, I, if someone loves me like that much, I would gladly submit to him. You see, uh, we can emphasize the submission or um, uh, the women going on to us, nagging us to be what we should be, men. But our responsibilities, what are our responsibilities? To emphasize those uh, with, even with our rights thrown out the window because now we are are disciples of Jesus. Disciples of Jesus. Let's have a look at uh, Ephesians 5. Why you submit yourself to your own husbands? As you do to that own. The husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. His body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands love your wives just as Christ loves the church and gave himself at honor. To make her holy, cleansing her, and a washing with water from the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkles or any other blemish, but only blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever ate their own body, but they feed and care for the body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. See, when we stand before Christ, he will not ask us whether we received everything we had coming to us. He will reward us, he will reward us for how we fulfilled our responsibilities. David, did you get all the rights that you deserved? Or Dave, did you actually fulfill God's word? Did you follow me? Did you go through your responsibilities? Ah, amazing. In every relationship, it changes our focus. We are Christ-centered, and when we are Christ-centered, we are going to look to those around to meet their needs, to bless them. Um, The devil would always, what does he say? He always focuses on I, doesn't he? I think, I need, I want, I feel, I deserve, I, 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 I. And what does the Bible say? Deny yourself. Cut it down every time. Cut it down every time. Because it's not from the Lord. It's from you, your flesh. Get rid of it. Um, So everybody has a right. Well, do they? Well, I suppose God loves us. And uh, all our rights are summed up in grace. And uh, when we think of grace, we have no rights, do we? <laughs> but God blesses us. God gives. Um, isn't it amazing? What about when others do wrong? Ooh, Dave. And we are quick to see it, aren't we? Um, 
don't we find it difficult? Sometimes we can say sorry, but don't we find it difficult to say, actually, I did it? <coughs> Father came out and saw his son had just thrown a, a stone at, at his car. He said, I just, you just threw a stone at my car. No, I didn't, I didn't. I just saw you. Oh, sorry. Sorry for what? Oh, I don't know, I'm just sorry. Well, he, he actually, he hasn't really apologized, is he? Because he hasn't actually said what he's done. And we're quick to say, well, I'm sorry. But we're not quick to say, well, I'm sorry because I did that. I said that. Be specific in our confession to the Lord. We sometimes say, Lord, forgive me for my sin. And that's pretty general. Now, God understands, but God wants us to be specific because otherwise I can guarantee if they're not specifically confessed, they will come up to bite you. Lord, I confess my anger. And be specific in those situations. We've got to be specific with the Lord. Should we try to be their conscience? Well, we're in trouble there, aren't we? It is the Holy Spirit who convicts. Now, the Bible is very clear. We'll just look at that in a moment. What we are supposed to do. But, you know, I one day I, I will give, a, give an answer for how I preach and how I led and all that. But I can't give an answer and can't be your conscience or can't be my children's conscience. Only bring them up in the admiration and the, the teaching of the Lord. And uh, that's the Lord's job to be conviction. Holy Spirit is, the trouble is when we try to be someone's conscience, their struggle goes from being with God to the person. And then we're in real trouble. We're in real trouble. He convicts sin. But someone says, but don't I have the ministry of condemnation? Hey, well, really, no, we have the ministry of reconciliation. What about, some of us are a bit like this, we're pretty harsh and sometimes critical, we've got to be very careful. But doesn't love expose a multitude of sins? 1 Peter 4, 7 to 8. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be Love covers over a multitude of sins. You'll find that in Proverbs as well, if you've done the um, forgiveness bit. Um, to cover over a sin, it is, but to repeat it just causes trouble, splits people up, causes difficulty. And, and when we talked about the Christian etiquette, we were talking about deal with it, drop it. Um, we go straight to God first. We may have to go to the person, as we said last time. If we've done something to the person, we've definitely got to go to them. If, but if they've got, if, if, if we got something against them, we don't have to go to them. Sometimes you just got to deal with it for you and the Lord. But the trouble is we, we dwell on it and drag it up. And this is what we sometimes do, which is really sad. We love to share it with those around. And that's dangerous because that's called slander and gossip. God frowns on it. And he forbids it. And what happens then is, is that person you've talked to has had no issue with that person ever. But now they're going to see that person in a different light. You're going to sully that person's character. Uh, why? Because you've never, you haven't dealt with the issue. And uh, we have to be honest, put our hands up. We're all guilty of that. Um, what's, what do we say gossip is? Gossip is sharing other people's, sh confessing other people's sins, isn't it? And uh, <laughs> but. Bible is clear. Don't do that. Because you, what you do, uh, people will see that person in a different light and they've never had issue. And of course, as we said, it, it, it may not be untrue. 
but it, it's not right, is it? I could stand up here tonight, and as I said before, I could tell you lots of truths about Jackie. She's quite nasty, boys. Tell you what, she, she, got, she got a good punch. She's only seven stones, you know, even seven stones, but her right hand. Now, I could tell you all that, and what, it would, that would, all that would be true, it wouldn't be true, I was just joking there. Um, of course, she has clout, it'd be a few times. No, it would be true. But you know what? It wouldn't be right. You know why? Because you'd see her in a different light. And what I haven't done, I haven't dealt with it. I haven't said, Jackie, you should not hit me with your right, you should be your left. And hit me in the ribs, not in the face. No. But you know what I mean? It can be true, but it's not right. Why? Because uh, we've not dealt with it. We're, dr we're dwelling on it and dragging it up instead of dealing with it and dropping it. And that's so, so, so true. It, in a, and that's where the devil longs. And, and, and what he does, it, it, it permeates and stops. Now, judgment, no. No, no, no. We, our, our place is not to judge. There's only one judge. But the discipline, well, that's a different issue, isn't it? Um, we've got a discipline. If there's, if there's issues, whoa, 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 whoa. No, you, no, don't carry on doing that. Because the Bible says we're looking out for each other. And uh, some of the older folk have been where we are and said, no, well, careful there now, Dave. I've I, I been that way. I've done that. I made that decision. It was a bad decision. Don't do that. Um, but when we come to judging, that's to do with character, of course, as we said before. Um, and really, my character is me and the Lord. Now, my behavior, because that affects each other, we've got to sometimes deal with that, discipline each other. Uh, it's very clear. The Bible is clear. Matthew 18, 15, 17. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and your own. If he shall hear thee, thou art scaling thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. And if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an even man and a publican. Yeah, see the, see the principle. You don't go anyone else, you go to the person. Go to the person. And I would say, as we said, and forgiveness, before you even go to the person, you go to the Lord. And I find that once you get before the Lord, actually, most, most issues are um, misunderstandings. I've noticed that. Most things are misunderstandings. Or, as we said before, if we've not forgiven, what happens is we are not seeing clearly and we are seeing through unforgiveness. And we know what we see through unforgiveness and nothing is clear. We're still seeing through that difficulty and hurt. What happens is even, you know, if that person, not just that person, but any other person, but that person in particular, if, well, if he does something good or if she does something good, you mini fight. Oh, well, that's nothing. If they do something wrong, you say, oh, I told you it was no good. Anyway, why? Because we're looking through the wrong tinted pair of glasses. We're looking through unforgiveness instead of being clear of that. And we see clearly with great perception of reality. I was talking to someone the other day. And they were saying about, oh, I think that person, this person had, had issues with me. You see, when we are like that, what happens? There's unforgiveness in our life. And we're very defensive. We're very wary. Um, we're very distrustful. Um, uh, and I'm thinking, well, how, do you, how do you know that person has got something? <laughs> I'm thinking, how do you know that? Uh, why? Because we're not seeing clearly. Perhaps they, they haven't said a law to them. You know, something as simple as that. And, and our mind, of course, the devil is there and he right? Hey, oh, look at that person. He ignored you today. Uh, probably, again, a misunderstanding. Not real. Just 
It went by you, just like that. And of course, we don't see clearly. We're wary. If we're wary and defensive, distrustful, we need to just check again. There's not unforgiveness in our life because we are seeing wrongly. Well, we've got to be careful. We've got to confront. How we confront? Josh lies to me. What do I say? Josh, you haven't told me a truth there. That was, that was a lie. Or I could say, Josh, you're a stinking liar. There's a big difference, isn't there? Now, I, let's be honest, I, I probably, I, I've made a mistake. I've, I've taken the latter, and that's wrong because it, it, straight away the defenses are up, and I've attacked character instead of dealing with the issue at hand. Josh, that was a particular lie you told me. It was untruth. You see, and when you do that, you're actually pinpointing something. You're not actually attacking them. And so it's always a difficult balance, isn't it? You know what happens then? There's an opportunity to um, bring them through, to restore. You see, our, the discipline is always to restore, isn't it? God's discipline over your life is what? To make you more like him. So he's going to say, Dave, that was wrong. Dave, fantastic. Dave, put that into your life. Dave, it's time to stop that. He's a, he's a God. He's a good disciplined God. So sometimes he may have to clip us around the you. He's a great God. Sometimes he'll just put his arms around us. Whatever is needed is for restoration and for growth. The trouble is so often we can say something and it's for condemnation. Never. See, that's not our job, is it? Our job is to discipline, to restore, and to grow. Now, that's difficult sometimes because, uh, the, like I said, it's how we receive it. If, we, if we've got baggage and someone challenges us, we think they're having to go at us instead of the issue. And that's always a problem. And that's why we need to keep a short account uh, with the Lord. Let's have a look at um, Ephesians 4, 29-32. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. That it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. Oh, it's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Not any unwholesome talk, that which is building up. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Ah, wonderful. Wonderful. Oh, Lord, help us to... Re- See, it's great to memorize God's Word sometimes, isn't it? Put God's Word to, the me- to, to, the, to memory. What happens then is the Holy Spirit reminds us of those things. See, it's no good us saying, well, the Holy Spirit didn't remind me. Well, if he, sometimes he's got nothing to remind us of. We haven't put anything in there. You know, it's no good going to our computer and say, well, let's, let's pick up, let's have a look at this, what I've done before. You haven't done anything. There's nothing on there. It's empty. Put something on the hard drive. We talked about computer And he's got something to work with, isn't he? Got something to work with. Difference, discipline and punishment. Well, it's a big difference, isn't it? Um, we discipline. We do punish our kids, but that's a different, that's a different thing. But it, it's all discipline looks forward. It's proof of love. It's designed for the harvest of righteousness. Hebrews 12, read all about God's discipline. He's taken that from Proverbs. Discipline to make us his children. He said, if you're not disciplined, he said, you're illegitimate. And uh, so vital, so important to get that so clear in our minds. When, what about when we're attacked? Now, I've been 
um, in church all my life, been in ministry for many years. I've been called this, I've been sworn at, called this and that, been accused of certain things, I suppose, over the years, been pushed, been, I've been dealt with, we dealt with kids, so they've been hit. I can take it, not, maybe not so much now. So all those things, and you think, I, I, remember what um, David Paulson said and, and what uh, George Whitfield said um, when they attacked him and he was complaining to the Lord. Well, David, he said, good job they don't know the truth then, isn't it? Isn't that true? Good job they don't know the full truth of our lives or they have plenty of ammunition. But what do we do when we are attacked now? Again, we have an example. We have our Jesus who was, listen to what he was accused of. He was accused of being illegitimate. He was accused of being mad. He was accused of being possessed. He was accused of being a blasphemer. He was accused of being a sinner, a fraud, a drunkard. Dear me, that was what Jesus was accused of. But... Let's see his response. 1 Peter 2, 22-25. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they heard their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he trusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. Jesus accused innocent, yet each day, like the Bible says, like a lamb before the slaughter. Um, there we are. If we are wrong, <laughs> if we are in the wrong, we don't have a defense, do we? We've got to hold our hands up and say, well, I'm wrong. Jackie accused me of something the other day, and I said, you were right. <laughs> I was wrong. I could have justified myself, because uh, I'm pretty good at that. But, you know, she was right what she said that time. Don't tell her. Um, but you know what? If, if we are right, the Bible says, we don't need a defense. Do we? we don't need a defense because Christ is our defender. A woman called a pastor made an appointment to see him. She had written a list of all the good points and the bad points she wanted to discuss with him. There were just two good points and uh, a whole page of bad ones. <laughs> As she read them, uh, point by point, the pastor was tempted to defend himself. He was thinking, "Is my that's not true. That's not how, how, how it happened. And, and, but he kept silent. When he finished, this is what he said. It must have taken a lot of courage to share that list. What do you suggest I do? As soon as he said, he said that, the woman burst out crying. She said, well, it's not you, it's actually me. It's, actually, it's not you, it's actually me. A Bible student, um, now he could have been defensive, couldn't he? And he would have lost the opportunity to restore that woman to her full potential. There was things going on and he restored it. A Bible student had heard that story and uh, he'd finished Bible school and he was he's doing a job as a supply teacher. And one day he had a phone call from uh, one of the mothers of the students. Now in my day, you never went home and said you got into trouble, did you? 
because you'll be in more trouble. Nowadays, you go home and say you're going to trouble, and yet the parents go in and defend their kids. I'm thinking, weren't you ever kids? I mean, kids mess about. That's what we do, kids, isn't it? Anyway, so you had a phone call from my mother, and she was tearing it. You were the worst teacher my daughter's ever had. And uh, he was desperate to get off the phone because he was just a supply teacher anyway. I thought I, I would have said, well, okay. But uh, anyway, so she, she was lambasting him, and, and he thought, I wonder if this is going to work. So he let her finish, and he said, it must have taken you a lot of courage to call and share with me. What do you suggest I do? And the woman um, was a single parent. She was struggling with her daughter. Actually, her daughter was being rebellious. Her daughters tend to be a bit, no, no. <laughs> uh, and she was having all sorts of trouble, and she was taken out on the teacher. But he had an opportunity to... Uh, talked to her, and then realized, and she said, well, I'm a Christian. <laughs> so he said, we better pray then, if you think that. So it was an opportunity to minister. He could have defended himself. He could have said, well, I'm only a supply, I don't care. But he said, wait a minute, let's have a little look at this. I don't want to go there yet. Listen to this statement. This is, when I read this, I thought, what, how true is this? Those who are critical of others are either hurting or injured or immature. Let me write that down. Those who are critical or attack are either injured, never dealt with unforgiveness, or immature, never grown up. See, no one tears down another person from a position of strength. No. Now, that's different from pointing out issues, but the issue, remember, we point out issues to restore, to Get them back into, full, into fellowship. Getting them back to be more for Christ. Not to bring them down and put the boot in. Which we can sometimes do. It's easily done. Um, if we can learn not to be defensive when they attack us, it can be an opportunity to minister. Very difficult sometimes because when people have said things, you think, well, that's not true. But you know what? I tell you what, you try and defend yourself and you get in a worse position than if you just let it go. Because if, as we said, if, if you're wrong, <laughs> no defense anyway. If you're right, God will sort it out. God will deal with it. And uh, someone said, well, if, 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 it's, if it's your word against another, just relax. Leave it in God's hands. God knows. God knows. God knows what's it. Authority and accountability. And uh, of course, if we come down this way, if there's authority and accountability without uh, affirmation, acceptance, that's like a totalitarian straight state, which you get a little bit of... Um, uh, accountability and authority, but they will never be really uh, loving, um, voluntary accountability and authority. When we see Christ receives us, he affirms us. Remember we tell who we were? You see, then we're going to follow him. Then we're going we're to come under his authority. If, if Christ loves me that much, if he says do this, I'm going to do it. Because I know it's for my good and for his glory. And if he says, Dave, don't do that, I'm going to do it. Why? Because I know that he's my father. And that's when we, when we deal that authority, accountability, affirmation, acceptance, we, God accepts us, he affirms us, and then we're accountable. And we, we gladly come under his authority. It's the, it's the law of fear or the law of love. Um, when we talk about fear, we mean trepidation and, and uh, not understanding who God is really. But there is the fear of the Lord. We understand that reverence. He's an awesome God. But it's, it's, it's that fear in love, isn't it? God loves us. We love him. And uh, we will just do as he asks. And, and, and we will treat 
each other a little bit differently. Now, should we express our needs? Well, that depends how we do it. Wife says to her husband, you don't love me anymore, do you? The husband says, of course I do. What's, what's she done there? She's made a judgment on his character. Instead of saying, you know what, I just I don't feel so good. I don't feel loved today. Or I need to be. See, it's how we phrase things. If you've got that book, I give that book 80 months ago, a fantastic book on, on marriage. Everyone had it who was in marriage. If you're not, what do you say? You're blessed. Careful. Um, but that's really good. Explain the difference between men and women. We are different. Women are different. And boys, to understand a woman, you need supernatural intelligence. Let me tell you. Um, but you see, how we, how we, how we declare it, how we say it, isn't it? If we accuse, we're lost already. If we, if we are we and I, um, what is tight to say? Our people, our people must learn to engage in good deeds to meet pressing needs. So we will not be unfruitful. You see a need, meet it. We share our needs in a sense that we can pray for each other. We can help each other. But remember, it's not all about me, is it? Because it's interesting that um, the more we look out, the more we actually meet our own needs. That's, a, that's why Jesus says, better to give and receive. As we're meeting the needs of those around us, actually the things that we think we need are being fulfilled in our lives. And um, every time you do that, you build appreciation and uh, blessing in those, you will reap what you sow. That's a great principle in God's word. Let's read those uh, verses. Luke 6, 37, 38. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. Yeah, the generosity of God. And if we, if we, uh, the closer we get to God, the more generous we are in everything. Um, uh, we will just, and that's a great picture, shaken together, running over. God's got a bigger shovel than us. You give, God will f- make sure you flourish. Um, it, go the extra mile, as they said, if you start at nine o'clock and work, go in 15 minutes earlier. Do everything that, that you will be amazed at what life has to offer if you go the extra mile. How about, Seeing a need, seeing all oh, that person needs that, I'm going to just, I'm going to buy that for them or give that to them or maybe someone needs some time to, to go and visit them, go and do that. Maybe even someone just needs a phone call, just a certain encouragement. You know, I appreciate you, as we say on Sunday, we really appreciate you. Well, you, you really encourage me. You know what? It's amazing how some people, um, that, how much difference that'll make in their lives, isn't it? Um, just a simple phone call, just a simple, well done. S- just a simple, hi, you really encourage me, isn't it? Amazing. The trouble is, again, we focus on ourselves. Well, no one said it to me. Then, again, I, 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 get out of it. Isn't it amazing? The more blessing you are to others, the more blessing comes back to you. A farmer and a baker had an arrangement to exchange a pound of bread for a pound of butter. It was going well for a while until one day the baker thought he could take a little pinch off every loaf and make a little bit more profit. No one would see the difference. His profits started to increase for a while, but then he noticed the butter supply started to dwindle a bit. 
So he went to the farmer and confronted him. Confronted him. It's amazing, isn't it? You were bringing the same amount of butter. You're not bringing the same amount of butter you used to bring, the farmer said. I'm challenging you. He said, I'm doing what I've always done. He said, what's that, the baker? Asked the baker. He said, well, I take a scale. I put your pound of bread on the one side, and I measure the same amount of butter on the other. We reap what we sow. He thought he was, you see, we take back and it'll come back on us. Give and it shall be given. You have a, you have a poem there in your book. What does it say? Fantastic. People are unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Love them anyway. If you do good, people will accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Do good anyway. If you are successful, you will win false friends, true enemies. Succeed anyway. The good you do today will be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. God doesn't forget, of course. Honesty and frankness make you vulnerable. Be honest and frank anyway. The biggest people with the biggest ideas can be shot down by the smallest people with the smallest minds. Think big anyway. People favor underdogs but follow only top dogs. Fight for the underdog anyway. What you spend years building may be destroyed overnight. Build anyway. People really need help but may attack you if you help them. Help people anyway. Give the world the best you've got and you'll be kicked in the teeth. Give the world the best you've got anyway. Bless the Lord tonight. Ah, how we see people. How we see people through the grace of God. The Bible says, when he, in Hebrews again, Hebrews chapter um, 12 there, See to it that no one misses the grace of God. See, it's all revolving now. See, see, if you miss the grace of God, what happens? And the root of bitterness grows up, flourishes up, and actually the Bible says grows up and grows above. And that's all you see. And what happens? It defiles many. It does defile many. And what, what's happened? They've missed the grace of God. That's why we always come back to the cross. No place like it. We see the grace of God flourishing, flooding over our lives. And then we see people differently. We see situations differently that God can meet and touch. Hey, let's pray. Amen. This is the last episode of 2020. We'll be back in January. I wish you a very happy and blessed Christmas. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. To find out more about our church, including our service times, visit www.oakdalechristiancentre.org. Thank you.